Good morning again. Is Maddie back in here yet? She's relieved. I don't get to embarrass her. Uh, but we've certainly been praying for Maddie, Logan, and Allison, wherever you are. Uh, we've been, uh, there you are. Uh, we've been praying for her and just so thankful to see fruition and God's faithfulness in answering our prayers and bringing her from darkness to light. This morning we are uh, going to continue to uh, pour ourselves into the Word of God as we have already done so through reading, singing, prayers, and, and getting to witness the Word of God made visible through the waters of baptism. But this morning we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3. Um, and the reason we're not starting Matthew back up is um, I thought be best because over the next two Sundays, I'm going to be out of the pulpit. I'll be uh, on the campus of Southern Seminary uh, working with uh, Dr. Shane Parker. Uh, there you are, brother. And uh, helping advise uh, D-Men students. That's not like an exorcism uh, group. That's just the doctorate of ministry. But some of them might need some exercising. I don't know. Um, but uh, we'll be working with them for the next two weeks on, on campus, and, and it just works out better if uh, I'm not having to do that and and preach. And the good news is the Lord supplied us with uh, wonderful preachers. We'll have Pastor Chris next Sunday and then Pastor Gary the Sunday after that. And so this morning I thought it'd be better just to do a standalone sermon out of Proverbs and then we'll pick up with Matthew uh, at the end of January when I get back uh, in our regular preaching schedule. So uh, with that, we're embarking on a new year though. Uh, it's January 6th. Uh, hard to believe it's already 2019. I feel like we say that every year. It's hard to believe the year has gone. A new year is upon us. And I imagine uh, for most of us, as we look at the year ahead, we have hopes, dreams, aspirations. Maybe you've made uh, resolutions uh, in some form or fashion, uh, intent on changing your life, changing your circumstances, or or more likely in this crowd, changing priorities, seeking ways that we can be more balanced, change habits, change our waistline, whatever it might be. I'm sure we're looking forward to a wonderful year. But whatever it is, most of us can identify, I think, with areas in our life where we want to change or at least improve upon. But here's where I want to, to challenge us, and not saying that that's bad, I think that's good. But as you reflect on your life and look forward to this year, have you considered what it would look like to grow in your walk with the Lord? Is that one of your resolutions? Is that one of the, the areas that you want to prioritize this year to a greater degree? What would it look like for you to grow more in your affections and your love for Christ? To grow in your trust, your, your reliance, and your dependence upon Him. I think oftentimes when we make resolutions, they're, they're actually more means of our independence. But have you thought about how to be more dependent this year? To cast yourself upon Him, knowing that He cares for you. Well, as we begin this new year, it's my prayer that not only for my own soul... But as for us as the body of Christ here at Oak Park, that we would behold and cherish Christ to a greater degree than ever before. 
that we would, as we sang, my prayer was that this would not be merely words saying on our lips. You're all I have, all I need, all I want. Was that true? We sang it. We were singing loud. I could hear us, but I was wondering. I was even questioning in my own heart, Lord, is that true? Or am I merely honoring you with my lips, but my heart is far? It's my prayer that 2019 that we would sing that and we say that is true of my heart as my lips speak it. Whenever I think of New Year's resolutions, I'm often reminded of the young Jonathan Edwards. You might be familiar with that name. Edwards is one of the greatest theologians and philosophers our country has ever produced. Not only, though, was he a theologian and philosopher, but he was a faithful pastor, missionary, and preacher of the gospel, greatly used by God in the great awakening of the 18th century. But before Edwards became the Jonathan Edwards of history... He was resolved to live his life for the glory of God. At the age of 18, that's in 1722, Edwards began to write resolutions. Now, it wasn't January 1 and he thought, oh, I need to make some New Year's resolutions. No, he was actually embarking upon a a new life. He had graduated from college from Yale and he's he's discerning. He's set up for a, 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 I guess, successful career in academia. But before he embarks upon his vocation, he, he, he wants to set the course, the trajectory of his life on path of living for the glory of God. And he does this at 18, which is remarkable. While the rest of his friends were taking selfies with their selfie sticks, he has his diary out and he's, he's working on resolutions. Resolutions to live his life for the glory of God. Of God, And he worked on these for the rest of the, that year and into his 19th year. And by the time he was 19, he had pinned 70, 70 resolutions in his diary. And these resolutions varied on, on different subjects, which mattered or concerned matters of his overall mission in life, his pursuit of good works, how he would manage his time, even at times how much food he would eat. Not because he was concerned about his waistline, but because he didn't want to, uh, to, to overindulge. He wrote about his conduct and his relationships. How he would view his sufferings knowing that they would come. How he would grow in character and how he would feed his soul. Listen to how he introduces these resolutions. I've got it up on the screen. I think I do. Yeah, here we go. This is the preface to his resolutions. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. In other words, Ezra's resolutions were not some help, some uh, self-help, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, pep talks. Rather, these were prayers, deep commitments under the Lord to depend on His grace for all that He would do. He wanted His life to count. He wanted His life to matter. In fact, He would write a resolution. This one's not on your screen. I'm just remembering them. 
He would write a resolution that at the end of my life that I would do nothing that I would look back and say that was a waste. That he could look back on his life and say everything that I did, I'm glad I did it. Because it's going to count. Consider this first resolution. This one is on your screen. That I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good, profit, and pleasure in the whole of my duration. Kind of old English, my whole life. And notice that he does not separate God's glory from his own good, profit, and pleasure. He understands the glory of God is your greatest desire. And what I want for us in 2019 is that you would say, that's my desire. I want to live only for the glory of God because I know that's my profit. I know that's my good. And I know that's my greatest pleasure. My purpose this morning is in calling Edwards to our attention is not to exhort us to write 70 resolutions. Although, that would be good. I invite you to read them. You can go on Google, just Jonathan Edwards, 70 resolutions. You'll get them. Actually, you can find them in updated English. Read them and be amazed. This is a freshman in college in our equivalent. And ask yourself, do I think deeply about the things of God like he did? But the reason I bring that to our attention is that I would want us to be exhorted, be encouraged, to be pushed, to be challenged. Say, I, I want to be dependent upon Christ as, as he was, as another faithful saint who's gone before me. I want us to, to have a faith like his. So that we would walk with the Lord in a manner like he did. Well, this is the heart of Proverbs 3. Solomon writes to his psalm, uh, to his sons, and he calls them, this is a familiar verse, verses 5 and 6, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, Jonathan Edwards took that seriously, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This morning, I want to call us to be resolved. Resolve to live by faith in the Lord. That is a wholesale giving of ourselves to Jesus in every facet of our life. That there is no area that we'd say that is not under the Lordship of Christ. And we'd think about it. Are there areas that I live completely oblivious to the Lordship of Christ? That we would live in communion with Him as our Lord, our God and Savior. That's what Edwards was trying to do at 18. Setting the course of his life through these 70 resolutions. Now, I have good news for you this morning. I don't have 70 points, okay? Although I think, who went to the cross conference this year, you young people? I heard that, that David Platt had 50 points in a sermon. So you're welcome. I'm not doing that to you, okay? But I do have four resolutions, four points from Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. That I think, these aren't exhaustive by any means, but they are, they, are, they are fitting for us. They're fitting for Solomon as he's seeking his sons who are probably at this age. You're about to, to, to live and embark on life on your own. You're leaving the home. These things will guard you and keep you. 
certainly, if these are good for a whole life, they would be good for 2019. So here, I want to give us four resolutions. Here they are. You can list them, and we'll, we'll go through them in our sermon. Number one, resolve to live by faith in God's word. Number two, resolve to live by faith in God's ways. Number three, resolve to live by faith in God's provision. And four, resolve to live by faith in God's love. Let's consider the first one. Resolve to live by faith in God's word. Proverbs 3 begins by emphasizing what's most important. What's the priority? What's the baseline? If one is to live by faith. And it begins with the word of God. Just look at these first four verses. Solomon writes, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Proverbs is calling us not to forget, not to forsake the teaching of God's word handed down to us. The immediate context here is that of the home. Solomon's reminding him, do not forsake my teaching. Now, this isn't just general teaching. This is the commandments. This is the law. This is God's word. Do not forsake the word of God you were brought up on. And you children here who have been raised up in this church, who are being raised up in this church, do not forsake the teaching that's been handed down to you. Or as Pastor Chris read from Hebrews As hearing his voice, do not harden your heart so as not to enter his rest. So children, do you want to trust the Lord? Have you considered what it means to live by faith? That you must make that decision on your own? Just as Maddie Preston did by grace through faith. She did not forsake the teaching of her mother and father. She's grown up in the faith. In the same way, you are to see your parents, see those leaders here in the church as God's messengers to you. Listen to them, as uncool as they may be, okay? We can broaden this application, can't we? Not just our, our parents, but anyone who delivers God's word to us. And the church is the main context where this happens throughout our life. This is why we're committed to the Lord's Day and and putting ourselves under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And this emphasis on the Word of God is why our worship services are so saturated in the Scripture. We don't want anybody coming in here having not heard the Word of God. We want you to hear it in every form and fashion. That's why we do it in five different ways. I've already referred to a couple of them. We read God's Word. We, We sing God's Word. And I'm I'm encouraged because some of you are now singing in the songs that we sing. Oh, I've heard that before. Because you're growing in your knowledge of the Word. And you're realizing that those lyrics aren't original. They're rooted in the Scriptures. 
miss my list. We read God's word. We sing God's word. We pray God's word. Pastor Chris was praying through Hebrews in, in various manners to model how you should be praying through God's word. You want to pray God's will be done? Pray his will, which is found in his word. We preach the word. Well, I'm doing that. And we see the word. And we got to do that this morning as we saw the word illustrated through the waters of baptism. And so it's through these means then that we are not to forget. They come in various avenues, engaging us so that our heart will keep the commandment. Do you see the affection that Solomon writes of? Bind them. Let your heart not forsake them. He's not just merely, oh, I know them. No, it's that I treasure them. I treasure God's word in my heart. He tells them in verse 3 that we... We're not to forget the word handed down to us and, and let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake us. Those two phrases, steadfast love and, and faithfulness, refer to God's promise-keeping love towards His people. As new covenant people of God who, by faith in Christ, been baptized into Christ, raised to new life, we are the church and all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Him. Therefore, it's through the word of Christ, this is where I want you to follow, the word of Christ that God's promises and love are confirmed to us. You will not know the love of God till you listen to the word of God. You won't know what his love is. You won't know what his promises are unless you immerse yourself in them. Paul puts it this way in Romans 15, which is fresh in my mind. For I tell you, and this should be on the screen, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. That's the Jews. Why? Why did he come and lay down his life? To show God's truthfulness. It's actually the same word as faithfulness that we're seeing in Proverbs. To confirm the promises. His faithfulness. Christ came to do that. In order to, con there it is, confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's not all. And in order that the Gentiles, that's you and me, might glorify God for His mercy, His love, His faithfulness to us. That's why He came. You will not know that unless you know, what does Paul conclude here? As it is written. And you know where he goes if you, if you look at it? We don't have time. The Old Testament. As it is written, God's promises for you. Christ came. But you will know nothing of them if you do not bind the word of God to your heart. You will not know them. And so, brothers and sisters, our faith in the Lord will not be strengthened by accident. And I plead with some of you. Some of you, your faith is weak. Your hearts are cold. And you're frustrated and you say, the Lord's not going to do anything. But I ask you, do you immerse yourself in his word? Do you plead with Him? Open up my eyes that I may see. Or do you just sit there and say, God, if you're going to do something, do something. And you are hardening your heart towards Him. His promises are found here. And that's what Solomon wants us to see. So what does that look like? I've already alluded to it. Verse 1, keep it, guard it in your heart. Bind it, verse 3, around your neck, just a, a visual. And obviously, this isn't 
meaning to be literal. If I could just tie a string and put the Bible and hang it off my chest, I'd look more like Mr. T with his big old necklaces. But it's not going to help you. It's, it's a sense of get the word close to you. Have it near. Technology is great, isn't it? We've got it in our pockets. I can put on my screen, my lock screen uh, uh, picture, my, my memory verse for the week. So that I see it every time I'm, I'm going to pick up something worthless. Oh, at least I've got the word of God first to, to remind me. I got it close. But that's not good enough. Verse 3 again. Write God's word on your heart. The tablets of your heart. Internalize it. And that's really the idea here of all these, all these word pictures. Internalize God's word within you. Why? So that it transforms you from the inside out. It's for this reason that Edwards wrote his 28th resolution. This is on your screen. Resolved to study the scriptures so steadily and so constantly and so frequently that it becomes evident, even obvious, to myself that my knowledge of them has grown. What a worthy resolution, brothers and sisters. All that I'd commit to opening up the word some of you say, where do I begin? Here's where you can begin. If you're a member of this church, we're working to, to get this out in other ways. You get the scripture reading for, for, for the whole service every week. If you will open up that email and click that first little picture that Jeremy sends out. You will get the sermon text. What you could do this week is say, Proverbs 3, 1 through 12, I'm going to read it every day and I'm going to remember what was preached. You can do that. You can do that and let the, the weekly schedule of the Word be your weekly schedule in the Word. That's where some of you need to begin because you don't know where to go. And good news for you, you're going to work through Matthew in like 10 years, okay? <laughs> but you're going to work through it and know it. It won't be 10 years, Lord will. But you can use that schedule. We don't just send it out there just so it goes out into oblivion. It's no for your benefit. Make use of it. I better go on. Second resolution. Resolve to live by faith in God's ways. This really isn't much different, but it is. It's nuanced. Verses 5 through 8 demand here a holistic commitment to the Lord in every facet of your life. Let's read them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. When we think about trusting the Lord with all of our heart, I think we, 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 we think of emotions. And I want you to say, that's right. Emotions are included, but it's not just your emotions. It's your whole being. Jesus reminds us of this in, in Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The heart is the center of the person, at least in the, the Jewish mind the center of your will. It's, it's the headquarters, if you will. We, we think of it as our mind, but it's, it's your whole person. If you think about it, you really can't separate your mind from your heart and your, who you are. 
It's all-encompassing, even your logic and your emotions. Again, I love how Edward speaks in his 25th resolution. Resolved, wait, resolved to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing in me is which causes me in the least to doubt of the love of God and to direct all my forces against it. Do you catch that? What tediousness there is? What's that one thing? I'm like, goodness, what's the million things in my heart? But let's start with the one. What's that thing that causes me to doubt the love of God? Why do you give yourself to it anymore? Use all your forces to fight against it. Edwards is doing kind of in the negative of what verses 5 and 6 call us to. He's taking initiative to squelch anything that would compete with our affections and communion with the Lord. I want you to consider that. You're probably, Lord willing, if you're engaged right now, you're going to leave, I hope, with your hearts full. And you're going to engage in some activity. It doesn't even have to be sinful activity. It's going to do the reverse. And do you give yourselves to those things? Then my question would you maybe be resolved this year, 2019, to not give yourself to those things. Not just because you're trying to earn favor with God. No, exactly the opposite. Because you have favor with God and you want to love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you find that that competes with actually your greatest good. And you're working against yourself. So you could think of it more positively. What are those things that stir your heart? What are those things that fill your soul with joy in the Lord? What are those ways by which God's word is pressed in your heart, songs, hymns, prayers, time alone, listening to sermons, whatever it is. I know each of us are, are a little bit different and wired differently, but what is it where you, 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 you long for the Lord? What, what are those times? How is it that God's word is, is impacting you in a way that you just lose yourself in him? Well, make those your habits. Make those the things that you do. I've been so encouraged hearing from, from many of you. Not only if you miss a Sunday, but you're, you're going online and listening, but you're, you're finding yourself needing more than just the one-week sermon, and, and you're pulling up other podcasts, and you're listening them on your, on, your, on your commute to listen to more of the Word preached to you. That's a good thing. And so my, my, my exhortation to you is how are you getting the word pressed into your soul in various avenues in a way that stirs your heart for the Lord? In doing so, you'll find, verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him. What does that mean? In all my ways acknowledge him. Well, it's not really that complicated. But it carries the idea of fellowship with the Lord in every area of your, of your life. It's not just, yep, yep, I acknowledge the Lord, checklist. No, it's in all the things I do, I do them unto the Lord. Paul puts it this way, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 
That's what Edwards is saying in that first resolution. That whatever I do, I do for the glory of God, which is my good profit and pleasure. They're not at odds with one another. But it becomes idolatry when you do not acknowledge the Lord in it. You can love the things, the good gifts of the Lord, if you rightly appropriate them. He's not a killjoy. He's against things that kill your joy. I take that from Piper. So this looks like every area of your life surrendering it to the Lordship of Christ. And this will also keep you from worthless pursuits. Sinful things, worthless things that, that, that attack your soul. In all my ways, whatever I eat, drink, do, activity I partake in, things I say, can I do them and give thanks and glory to God? Can you do that? If you can't, then it's sin. There's great freedom there. But there are limitations. Things that you cannot give thanks to God for that aren't glorifying to Him, which are actually killing your soul. And we'll feast on them. We'll laugh at them. We'll engage in them. We'll meditate on them. We'll do all the things that the Scriptures call us to do about the Word with things that are against us. And so, as we see here in Proverbs, we are in all our ways to acknowledge Him. That, that means how you lead your family. Do you think about that? Fathers, you're the heads of your home. Are you leading your family in such a way that you could say, do not forsake my teaching, and your children would have heard the Word of God? How you conduct yourself at work. If we were to talk to your, your co-workers, your employees, your boss, would they, would they be surprised to find out that you're a member at Oak Park Baptist Church? Your relationships, how you view your friends, co-workers, neighbors, enemies. How you conduct yourself on social media. Do you give thanks and glory to God for all those things? Your studies, students. Can you give glory to God for the great privilege of what He's given you in an education? How you view your citizenship, your pleasures, recreation, entertainment, enjoying the creation, food, weather, everything. Can you give glory and thanks to God for it? How you handle your conflicts, how you view sickness and death. In other words, every facet of our life is to be aligned with God's wisdom, trusting His ways and how to conduct ourselves in every area of life. His word makes our paths straight. It's like a blueprint, a design by which this is the way I intend the world to work. Are you following in those footsteps? Are you being wise in your own eyes? Resting in your own wisdom. This is obedience to God's word in our life. And in such obedience to not just know the word, but to appropriate it into our heart, it takes humility. The utmost humility. Do not lean on your own understanding, verse 5. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. 
one commentator on insightfully states, it is self-idolatry to think we can carry on even the most ordinary matters without his counsel. And I think that's true. We carry on our day. And, and we can go days, weeks, maybe months without acknowledging it. And that's just his grace. And some of you are here and you do not know him. And you live your days on borrowed time, on borrowed air, on borrowed heartbeats. As the one who sustains the world by the word of his power. And where I want to encourage you is not to mistaken his kindness. Or not to misplace his kindness, which is purpose is to lead you to repentance. To turn you from living for yourself. And to follow him. And some of you will not bow the knee because you are wise in your own eyes. And not in God's. And my prayer is that you would humbly confess him as your Lord and say, not my way, not my will, but your will, O Lord. Third resolution that I want to bring to our attention here is to be resolved to live by faith in God's provision. You thought I've been speaking specifically, but I haven't been. I've been more in generalities, but now we get very specific. And what does it look like to trust the Lord? Well, one way in particular is trusting Him with our possessions. Trusting Him with the provision that He has he is provided for us. Look in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. See, the fool, the one who's wise in the their own eyes, thinks it's their money, their stuff, and fails to acknowledge that everything they have comes from God. Everything. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Do you realize the air? Take a deep breath. Did you supply that? No. Are you making sure your heart beats? Some of you know that better than others because you got a little pacemaker inside of you who makes sure that thing still has got juice you're praying the Lord does right the Lord holds our hand our hearts right in his hand holds our life what is life but a vapor there for a moment and then gone it's like the mist that comes off the, your coffee cup in the morning you see it and then it disappears that's our life hangs in the balance. <clears throat> and so, if even the air we breathe, even our involuntary muscles that work without our, our thoughts are at His disposal and, 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 and maintained by His power, how much more are we to be dependent upon Him in everything that we do? And realize that everything handed down to us is from Him. So in this way, we're to view our wealth and possessions, no matter how great or how little, as gifts from God, which we are called to steward. Biblical stewardship is managing God's blessings, God's way, for God's glory. 
And most of us would say, I think, well, I could use a little more cash, right? Most of us would say, yeah, I hear you, Pastor, but if I could just have a little bit more in my bank, I would be fine. But I want you to consider how the Proverbs call us to pray. It actually never calls us to pray for more. Listen to this prayer in Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9. I think we'll have it up on the screen. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. That's what Jonathan Edwards was getting at when he was even having resolutions on the amount of food that he ate. But what is needful for me, why? Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Here's where I want to challenge you as you think about your possessions. We think, accumulate, accumulate. I want, I'll get. I want to live in such a way that I can be full to the fullest extent. And yet the scripture says that is a path that will lead you to not depend upon the Lord. Do you see that? Do you, have you thought that way? Paul puts it this way. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. Do not set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for yourselves as a good foundation for the future, so that you or they may take hold of that which is truly life. I think that's what Proverbs ultimately get at. Then your barns will be full with plenty and your vats will be bursting forth with wine. Yes, there's a sense in which we, we enjoy blessings in this life. You, you, you manage God's money His way. There is usually blessing and, and less stress and burden upon you and you will have plenty. But there's a far more greater reality to come when Christ returns. In other words, living by faith in God's provision is actually to learn contentment. I would pray that we'd be resolved, Lord, that you would teach us contentment. Just a little bit earlier, Paul defines contentment for us. This is, again, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 12. A little bit lengthier, but I've got it up on the screen. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you believe that? We think, I want to be gaining in possessions, but Paul tells us godliness with contentment is gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and get this, brothers and sisters, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Wow, most of us would not agree. But yet most of us, all of us have food and shelter. But we're not content. My shelter's not big enough. My cabinets aren't full enough. But yet, I could be wrong. There are exceptions. But I don't think anybody in this room is going without a meal or without clothes and shelter today. And yet, I would say most of us are not content. He goes on. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. 
into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Are you pursuing that which will lead to your ruin? Is that your greatest hope, your greatest desire? Possessions? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So notice, having things is not evil. The love of them is. And it is through this craving that some have wandered from the faith. I see it every week. Some of you are almost gone because you are pursuing worthless things and you're blind to it and your family's falling apart because of it. And yet you will sing, you're all I have, all I want, all I need. And yet your heart's far away. I'm going on wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. We all can give testimony to that, haven't we? Where we've pursued the worthless things and we have pierced ourselves with many pains. By God's grace, he showed us that. We're going to see that. We did not despise his discipline. But as for you, O man of God, as for you, O woman of God, flee these things. Flee them. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Some of you think it's going to be a cruise line. Some of you think the fight of faith is get on the lazy river and stroll. No, it is getting in the tides and fighting for your life. And saying, I'm going to the light. I'm going to the shore even as the desires of this world are pulling you in every direction. It is fighting the fight of faith. And it will be a fight to the day you die. It's what we sang. Come thou fount of every blessing. Let your grace like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. So rich in biblical things. Knowing us. I know my heart. Yes, you're the one I love, but yet I can leave here in just a moment and get carried away with the next current, the next whim. I'm going to finish reading this text, I promise. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called or about which you made the good confession. Maddie just made the good confession. Take hold of it. You've made the good confession. Many of us have literally seen it through the waters of baptism for some of you. You've made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take hold of that eternal life. Make that your aim. Make that your pursuit, knowing that God will meet your needs. And he does that through means. Often, sometimes we help you in the church. It's a blessing of being a member of the body of Christ who can care for you. Brothers and sisters, I long for us in 2019, and not just 2019, that set a trajectory, launch us into the years to come. Just trust God's provision and not live for the things that are passing away. That none of us would be binge watchers. And I've done it. And you leave and you say, I feel awful. Because I've just wasted my life. Even though it was good. And we go back to it. 
Our sinful natures tempt us to accumulate and accumulate, to be full in every capacity. Why? So that we can kind of go numb and just forget about life for a while. But that's not how we're to live. We're to live with purpose. To trust in the one who possesses all things. All right, I need to finish this last one. Resolve, fourthly, to live by faith in God's love. Trusting in the Lord looks like trusting his love for us. You see it in verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. You're like, okay, where's the love there, Chase? Verse 12. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Brothers and sisters, as you, you look forward to 2019, trouble will come. Some of you are already in it. It's bled over from 2018. But what I want you to see here is that God shepherds us through our trials. He is the good shepherd who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Trials, sufferings, they are God's means of shaping us and, and giving us endurance so that we will finish the race. We're running a race. Do you realize that? In these trials, as we run, they, they produce endurance. That is, it strengthens our faith because we have to exercise that muscle of faith. He's stretching us and he's preparing us and forming our character and producing our hope to not be in the uncertainty of riches, but in him. That's what your trials do. And some of you think God's against you because everything in this life seems to be unraveling. But I might say God is for you because he is trying to tie, pull you away, your dead cold hands from those things that will destroy your soul. It's for this reason that Edwards wrote his 67th resolution. Resolved after afflictions to inquire what I am the better for them, what good I have got by them, and what I might have got by them. Do you look back on 2018 and see how the Lord has worked in you, even through the most difficult times? I know some of you have gone through difficult years. Do you consider His discipline? through those trials and what it has done for you and how he has stretched you and how he has grown you, the, the troubles that you're having in your marriage and, and the struggles you're having with your children or, or, or the, the, the unsettledness that you're, you're having at your work or you're just looking for work and you, and you feel like you're just scraping by. Have you looked and seen the, God's hand of blessing and protection upon you? You're still here, aren't you? Maybe you've come to the point and said, I cannot do this anymore. And yet now you're six months later. And you see the Lord has preserved you and kept you. And I want you to know he's going to do the same in 2019 until the day you die. For he will keep you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And so we should contemplate and consider our hardships in light of God's loving care for us, asking him in every trial, every conflict, every difficulty, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you, what are you, how are you stretching me? Where am I not trusting? Where am I not being faithful? Where am I clinging to the things of this world? 
Help me exercise the muscle of faith, Lord. I believe, help my unbelief. I pray that often. So typically, when we experience trouble, this is how we pray. Lord, take it away. Many of you have come to me. You say, you tell me your troubles. You say, can you pray that this ends? And I say, I will pray God's will for your life. This is what I mean, okay? I'm expounding upon my evasion of confronting you and your, your, your false prayer that you've asked me to, to pray for. We pray for immediate healing, wealth. Maybe you've prayed, Lord, raise my loved one from the dead. Visible signs of power, an end to our trials, personal triumph and victory. That's usually what characterizes our prayers. But by faith in the gospel, the gospel empowers us. This is where I want you to see the power of the gospel. The gospel empowers us to rest in God's love, which produces in us these things. Perseverance in our pain. Contentment in our circumstances. Hope in the resurrection. Humility before Him. Endurance through trials and anticipation for His triumph. It, it redirects us. And so this morning, proof that God has sustained you is that you're still here. That He has given you endurance. That He is, he is strengthening your hope. You're looking back on 2018, and I want to encourage you that even through the severe trials, the heartaches, the pains, He has forced you to become more like Him. He has forced you to let go of the things of this world. He has forced you to confess your utter helplessness before Him. And in doing so, you're still running the race. And I'm sure for some of us, we've come to the point and said, I'm, I'm checking out. I'm checking out of this race. I can't do it. And yet you're still running. That's God's grace in your life. And so with that reminder, I hope you leave here with a renewed sense of resolve this morning. A resolve to live by faith in the Lord all the more. And that this resolve would lead you to live by faith in God's word, God's ways, God's provision, and God's love for you. I'm going to pray.